You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the All-Star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Welcome to A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend on A's Cast. And coming up on... This edition, we're going to talk to our old buddy, Adam Rosales, who's going to be calling it a career, but he's back in the A's organization as a coach. That's great news. Dallas Braden will be here to talk about the offseason, of course, fantasy camp. Dave Schoenfield from ESPN, always interesting, as he is one of the best follows on Twitter and great reads on ESPN.com. And then, of course, our old friend, Eno Saris, who does an unreal job covering the great game of baseball for the Athletic, will talk offseason and holiday beer. It doesn't get any better than that with Eno Saris. But first off, Adam Rosales, what a career. Man, this guy worked harder than anybody to stay in the big leagues. We all loved his passion. We all love how fast he ran around the bases uh, when he hit a home run. And he's just a super guy. One of the nicest guys I've ever covered in the game. And the fact that he's hanging him up, but he's staying in the A's organization because of his great relationships with guys like Billy Bean and David Forrest, it's just fitting. Here is Adam Rosales. When I think about guys that I've covered and how long, I've been doing this since 96, 97. That's a lot of guys that I've run into. And there's a lot of good people that have come in and out of that clubhouse for the athletics. But really, no one better. I mean, when you think of just salt of the earth, what a great human being and what a great teammate. He's a great A, and he's retiring, and he's going to be back with the athletics, and it's an honor to have him on the program. We've had him on for years on so many pregame shows. No matter whether he was an A or who he was playing with, we were always bringing him on when he came to town. Adam Rosales, a fan favorite, is with us now. Rosie, congratulations on a wonderful career. Hey, Towns, what's up, man? Thank you. It's quite the introduction, man. I appreciate it. Well, I mean, you were a fan favorite. And, well, first of all, what is it like to make that decision? I mean, you played for a long time. You had a great career. You know, that's it's not an easy decision to make. But I think what's made me successful so far throughout my career is that I've always been honest with myself and honest with my skill level and where I was. You know, and I think that's what I just was honest and I just knew it was time to hang him up, be home with my wife and kids and to move on and really eager to start this coaching um, endeavor. And I think it's just right for you to do it in Oakland. I know you played for a lot of teams and, 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 and a lot of teams loved you because of your energy and your heart and the passion that you played with. But there's just something about the relationship that you had with this front office and that you had with the fan base. It, take us through the conversation of bringing you back to the Oakland A's. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of a – for them, it was kind of a, a layup, it seemed like. It was kind of easy for them to say, welcome back, Rosie, which was all nothing but respect, you know. I interviewed with a couple different teams here in Arizona, because I'll be at the rookie ball level, but the respect that I felt from the A's, and um, it was awesome. I just felt welcome, felt warm, and I felt like it was just, it's, you know, obviously a solid fit. Yeah, because let's face it, you always had that relationship with Billy Bean and David Forrest. I did. I mean, the opportunity that, that Billy Bean gave me when I was, you know, coming out of Cincinnati, I was a young kid, 2000, it was going to 2010 season, and they traded for me and Willie Tavares from, from Cincinnati, and, and Billy, I, Billy calls me directly and says, do you know how long we've been trying to get you for? <laughs> and the things that he said on that phone conversation, like, I was ready to hop on a plane and go play for him. 
right away. Uh, just the relationship. It's, not, it's always been nothing but respect, and I've always appreciated that. I mean, what more could you ask for, right? And I think about a career like yours where you got to play in a lot of different places, and I really think that's cool when you can say, I played in Cincinnati, I played in Oakland, I played in Cleveland, I played in Arizona, I played in San Diego, Texas. I mean, that's a truly a full, blessed career. What was that like to be able to, 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 to play around the country and to play in both the National League and the American League? It was, it was a thrill, to say the least, because – Probably the most important thing about it was the people I got to meet. I got to meet a ton of different players, coaches, front office, everything. And you can start building these relationships, and it becomes easier as you do it more. And you become accustomed to it, kind of a journeyman, you know, just kind of just bouncing around. But, I mean, just you get to meet so many great people, and you get to, you get to see what different organizations do, like how they approach the game, like the little intricacies or – just the subtle things that they do or how they approach everything. And, like, the, the team chemistry of, of each individual team is always unique. So it's always cool to see that. I know we're going to be adding a roster spot to the big league level, but I, I think we all know that's probably going to go to the bullpen the way things are going. And we just mm-hmm. recently talked with Ed Sprague, Director of Player Development for the Athletics, you know, the longtime Stanford Cardinal and Blue Jay and champion. And I was talking to him about versatility. That really has become the name of the game. You need you. You're not going to have a whole lot of depth with all those guys down on the bullpen. You're not going to have a big bench. So everybody on your bench needs to be able to play multiple positions. And you were that kind of guy that I knew that. Hey, if I got to put Rosie at short, I got to put him at second. I got to put him at first, third. I can put him in the outfield. Just how important will that be for you talking to these young kids to say, hey, if you want to have a big league career and you want to last a long time, you better bring a few gloves to the yard every day. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just that, talking about that 26 spot, I mean, you know what? I might try, to, I might try out for the team this year, to tell you the truth. <laughs> I, should have, I should have considered that going into this uh, coaching career. No. Um, it's so important. It's so that's what's kept me on the field. It's what's kept me, gave me such a long career in the major leagues and in baseball. It is the versatility, but you got to be willing to make those adjustments. Kind of show up and say, "Hey, where do you want me to be today? I'm going to do that. I'm going to work at it. I'll work with these different coaches at different positions." You got to be willing and coachable. I think that's the key. Um, so you do get that opportunity, and you have to know what your role is, too. You can't – you know who the starting guys are. You, you just got to make sure you know what your role is on the team and appreciate every every single pitch of every single day, you know. Yeah, because I, I wonder how tough that transition is when – You know, you get drafted, you sign, you think, okay, I'm a shortstop, and all of a sudden you get to, you know, you get to spring training, you realize, oh, my God, there's all these different shortstops. My God, and these guys, and then all that. Like, at some point you have to realize in your career, I'm not going to be an everyday guy at the position I thought I was going to be in. So I got to think for some guys that's got to be tough, but they got to figure it out. Hey, if you want to play, this is your life. Yeah. That's true. You got, yeah. You got to, you got to sacrifice a little bit. You got to give as much as you don't want to be. And we're all stubborn. You got to be stubborn too, because you got to want it. That's got to be your goal is to play every day. Because if your goal is not to play every day, then you better go home. Because that's not going to cut it. You got to want to play every day, but you have to know that you have to sacrifice or take take a step back and just accept your role um, and just hold yourself accountable for whatever. Uh, the the organization wants you to do. Now, it's been a few years since we've had you on, so I want to go back to what you were known for. You had pop. (laughs) You would hit home runs, and the way you would sprint around the bases, they would time you, and it was absolutely hilarious. And our friend Sarah Langs from MLB.com said the one thing she's going to miss, she's like one of their main researchers, she's going to miss the speed of you rounding the bases. When did that start for you in your career? As everybody's hot-dogging now and bat-flipping and jogging, you were sprinting around the bases. How did that start? Uh. I started a long time ago. I started when I was about 12 years old. When I could actually, when I first had my first home run, I actually was left-handed. 
and I hit it. I kind of accidentally did it. I went over the fence and I jogged around the bases. And I'm jogging. I'm like, this is kind of like, I kind of feel awkward. I feel like I'm kind of slowing the game down a little bit. I'm like, I just want to get it done and let's go. Let's move on. You know, and then, and then ever since then, I'm like, I'm going to, you know what? From now on, I'm just going to hit the ball. What happens if it hits the top of the fence? I'm going to look pretty dumb if I'm just standing at first base. So I'm like, I'm just going to hit it, sprint like I'm hitting a triple, right? And then that turned, I just kept on doing it since I've been a kid. And then I made that promise to myself, hey, if I ever get to play at the major league level or even professional or at the college level, I'm always going to play the same way I did when I was 12 years old. And and it's basically just a tribute to my 12-year-old self, you know, that I, I said I was going to do it, I'm going to keep on doing it. And I think about, you know, Western Michigan. I think about the minor leagues. I think about the big leagues. There was always, wouldn't you say, an interesting reaction at probably every level when you would go yard and everybody's like, what the hell is this guy doing? Especially at the visiting team, at the visiting team stadium. They'd all kind of give it, uh, you know, you could just hear a murmuring up in the stairs. I kind of fed off that, you know, it's kind of funny. Well, it's great to have you back. You know you were always one of our favorites with the athletics and the fan base. I can't wait to see you at spring training. Once again, be very proud. You had a heck of a career. We always loved watching you play, and now it's going to even better. You got you got a second career in front of you, and it's with the team you should be with, the Oakland Athletics. Well, I appreciate it. It's great talking with you. Always good to hear from you. From one good A to another. And by the way, great to have Adam staying in the athletics uniform, and hopefully he's here for years to come. Dallas Braden, of course, author of A Perfect Game, part of our A's broadcast team on NBC Sports California. And also, not only are we talking pitching with Dallas and about the offseason, we're also going to be talking about fantasy camp coming up in January because you know he's going to be the ringleader of this entire thing. Here is the great Dallas Braden. Dallas Jason Giambi, Dave Stewart, Vita Blue, Burt Campanaris, Bobby Crosby, Carney Lansford. I believe our man, Shooty Babbitt. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. You get to be, you get to be a big leaguer for a week. On the field, in the white unis, the green unis. Then at night, you get to hang out, have some cocktails and dinner. Does it get any be- Dallas, does it get any better than that? It really doesn't, my friend. You're talking about living a dream on a big league ball diamond with, uh, I don't know if they're your favorite. Yes, of course, they're your favorite ball players from past and present because you're an A's fan, and that's A's fantasy camp, Townie. So, as you mentioned, food, fun, cocktails, big league baseball, big league stories that aren't shared anywhere else other than the friendly confines of that big league clubhouse, you will be spending a week at. So I I really don't know where else you go to fulfill that kind of an experience, that kind of a lifelong dream, a bucket list endeavor. We've got you covered. Yeah, because I'm looking at January 9th through 14th, and I'm saying to myself, if you know somebody who is a huge A's fan, I, I'm, I'm saying as a Christmas gift, it wouldn't be any better than this. Well, I mean, Tony, that's the thing is Christmas right around the corner. So obviously that is a choice. I think a little broader, though. What better way to get three or four of your good buddies together for a 40th birthday bash or to relive an epic moment in fantasy football history or celebrate somebody's birthday? Who knows what it is? Bachelor, bachelorette parties? That's one thing I need to get across very quickly is this isn't just reserved for the men, for the male baseball fan. Nay, nay, folks. There have been some absolute gunslingers out there that are daddy's little girl. And it is so fun to watch them mop the diamond with the guys who show up there day one, big, bad, brawny, hitting bombs and batting practice. And they are a shell of a man at the end of the week when those ladies are up there on the bump slicing and dicing. So, ladies, don't be afraid to come out and get some dirt under your nails. It's a great time. Bragging rights for the entire year is what's at stake. Wow, a bachelorette or bachelor party at Ace Fantasy Camp. That would be awesome. It's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible, Tony, because think about being able to offer your bachelor and or bachelorette party the ability to hang out with 
current and retired big league ball players for a week. Pretty sweet. If you bring a bachelorette party to this, uh, uh, t- t- tell all your gals I'll be buying the drinks. I'll buy the drinks for that. <laughs> That's right. Body shots on DB. Let's go. <laughs> I, I, I want to ask you this because we've been getting into it because Alex Anthopoulos, who is the general manager of the Braves, Basically said, you know, I've talked to most guys in the game, general managers, my fellow, my fellow general managers, and we, you know, we pretty much know what everybody's thinking. And then here comes the Baseball Players Association and Tony Clark, and they're, oh, this is like collusion. You know, the majority of the players that we have, the top players have all signed extensions. There's very little free agents like we used to have in the past. And now, really what the Players Association is truly trying to protect the older player, which baseball is going younger. I'm just starting to wonder, in the future of baseball here, where guys want to sign these extensions for 80 to 100-plus million, and they're good. And the Players Association just wants everybody to go to free agency and drive up the price, but not everybody wants to do that. What really is the role of the Major League Baseball Players Association now what do you think it really is going to be going forward? It is, it has been, and it will always be the entity that is supposed to have the best interests of current, former, future, and past, present players. Everybody that has gone to uni is who the association should have at the top of their list in terms of who we are taking care of. And just like any union, county, you are going to bat for the betterment of your group. And we are literally trying to make sure that the compensation stays the same. And what do I mean? I don't mean that you're only going to get this much and we're only willing to pay this much or this is where you fall. I mean that that process maintains a level of fairness and integrity that everybody can live with. And it sucks that I say that everybody can live with because that's the world we live in. There's been a lot of conversation about tampering with the conversation and the comments from AA Alex Anthopoulos. Um, Is that foreign to you? Is that a foreign idea to you that a group of businesses or business owners would get together either physically or over the phone or via pigeon carrier and get a feel for the climate in which they are doing business in? Is that weird? Were you shocked to hear that? Because I wasn't. That's something I know that happens every single day and it happens every day during the regular season every day during the off season the idea is if we actually had video footage of individuals going into the best western to sit down over um, a continental breakfast to tell us what free agents are going where well now that's a different story but that's just not the case and this is the climate we're in so again back to the association and what their role is what their responsibility is is to make sure that around every corner when a comment like this is made, we need to see just how deep those roots go. And to my point, is that just a conversation that's happening over the phone? Or are you guys actually getting on an airplane, going to an island and meeting physically and hashing out who's going to be getting X amount of dollars from which team? Because that's where people have a problem. But Tony Clark, look, feed the horse and shine the armor because I appreciate the white knight effort. And that's exactly what you need when you are part of a group that needs a leader to make sure that you're not being screwed over. And that's really, in my opinion, kind of what this is right now. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. If, if if all the owners or all the GMs get together and say, hey, we're not paying anybody, I get it, then I'd be pissed and that's collusion. But how would you even do a trade if you couldn't call another general manager and say, hey, what are your needs and what are your wants? We wouldn't even have trades in baseball if we couldn't have those conversations. You're, you're exactly right, Tony. I'm not doing my due diligence, right? If I'm going to call your brother and ask about a player and he's willing to come up off of him if I can acquire X player. Well, you know what? X player happens to be on your team. So should I now not call you to see what you'd be willing to part ways with or what you would be asking in order to part ways with so that I could eventually go and get the piece that I want from your brother? I would be a terrible general manager. I would be, I would, <laughs> I would be flipping your burgers, Tony. I would not be making sure your team is ready to compete at a championship level. Well, we do sell burgers at our restaurant, so if you ever want to flip burgers at the restaurant, you got a job. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm in, baby. Little elbow grease never hurt nobody. <laughs> All right, so I got two starters here. I got one starter who's in his prime. He's going to want a lot of money, and he's going to want a lot of years. I got another starter who is just a World Series MVP, a little bit older. He's had Tommy John. He's become a better pitcher now. I can get him for less, but once again, he's a little bit older. So if you're a general manager and you got to pick between Strasburg and Cole, knowing that one guy's more expensive, maybe better longer, how would you weigh in? Who would be your priority? Who would you want more? Well, right off the top, you have to think about longevity. So you automatically go to the medicals. And this is coming from a guy, Townie, who frankly can't wipe himself or stretch extensively without re-tearing something. So I understand the value of being present, manning that station. Now you pair that with the actual stuff and the, the advancement, the progression you've seen from Garrett Cole. And I find it really difficult to justify not wanting that guy right off the bat. Well, then you get into the financials and you understand that is going to require quite a bit of a commitment. There's probably going to be some opt-outs in there, which you might be able to finagle around. But at the end of the day, you want that kind of an animal, you're going to be paying the price tag for it. Strasburg represents, I don't know if it's a lesser tier. I think it's pretty clear that he doesn't have the stuff that Cole does, but the ability to dominate a lineup nonetheless. And we saw that in the most pivotal time of the baseball season, that being the postseason. But you do have to consider the injury history and whether or not Strasburg will be who he is three years from now, who he was this year. And you just don't know. And I think that's where general managers' heads go. You have to think, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand this guy $300 million in Garrett Cole. I need something that tells me he'll be able to man the post, all a, a Max Scherzer of sorts. Like, I'm going to get what I pay for here. And Garrett Cole doesn't really have those red flags around him. But as far as what you saw from Steven Strasburg, again, there's no reason to think that he is not a frontline type guy that can get you where you want to be. But you do run a little bit of a, of a risk acquiring Strasburg and signing him up because you know that there could be there could be some moments where you don't have him when you need him. I think about Madison Bumgarner, incredible career, what he's done in three different World Series from a, a young guy against the Rangers to an older guy coming out of the bullpen in Game 7 against Kansas City in 2014. But where he is right now, and he's got the qualifying offer on him, which means there's going to be a draft pick, what do you think he's got left? I don't know if it's the guy that you just mentioned from yesteryear. That's clearly not who Madison Bumgarner is. You take a look at some of those numbers, County, and the success away from AT&T, whatever the hell they're calling that ballpark these days, is, is not great. Uh, that, that being said, everybody, I think, understands what a change of scenery can do for guys. And Madison Bumgarner is a guy who, frankly, I feel like if you have a pitching mound, he will feel at home. Now, there's a lot that goes into keeping Madison Bumgarner happy. you got to remember, this is a guy who has brought in a ton of outside revenue streams for the organization he plays for based on who he is. You know, the Carhartt, the Lumberjack stuff, it's all, you know, the, the I don't know if it's Dodge or whoever it is, no free ads, Townie, but they love the guy. They absolutely love the guy. What he has left on the mound, is it fair to say, is it, is it a fair question to ask that he might not have ever regained who he was after the dirt bike accident is that a fair question because if it is i think you have to consider again sort of like the strasburg effect there's going to be uh, it's not lingering but there's just going to be a regression in my opinion i don't think you're going to see madison bumgarner like turn into the beast of yesteryear just because he's putting on a new uni you know, a very special year for Marcus Simeon, and we've watched him grow at such length. It's unbelievable, as now he's a top three for the AL MVP. You know, watching him on an everyday basis, you've been around this game a long time, and to watch a guy struggle the way he did to where he is now, I don't know if you've ever seen a guy improve like the way he's improved, but what a season for him. And if anyone deserves a ton of praise, it's Marcus Simeon. He absolutely, Townie, deserved his name to be on the list 
in the conversation and on every ticker scrolling across the bottom of your screen or device in that MVP conversation. I don't know if you saw this, but Marcus Simeon's year last year was better, I believe, than any year Miguel Tejada ever put forth as a shortstop wearing the Oakland A uniform. That speaks volumes. Back to your point about the progression, though. What Marcus Simeon, I'll, I'll tell you, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Go to Fangraphs.com and look at Marcus Simeon's UZR rating and his defensive run save and look at that progression, folks, because you're talking about a guy turning and transforming himself from, there's no other word, but a liability to an absolute rock up the middle on a big league diamond. That is very hard to do. And then you think about the transition and the progression at the plate as well. Marcus at times was a guy who could, could be streaky. He'd get hot for two weeks and just be lights out. And then, you know, a little taper off effect didn't happen last year. You just watched Marcus Simeon put together quality at bat after quality at bat, hit the ball with authority more than he ever has. And the numbers reflect a guy putting in the work. It's that simple. It really is that simple. He's got a world of talent, an incredible athlete, but we know the saying, right? Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Well, Marcus Simeon shows up every single day with a hard hat and lunch pail, work boots tight, tight, and he goes to work. And the scary part is he's uber talented, and we're just starting to see that blossom, albeit a little later maybe than he would have liked. We are getting to smell those roses, and I am here for it. Let's end on this, and you can't take bullpen. If there's one thing that you would like to see improved in the Oakland A's on their roster 2020, can't take bullpen, what would it be? Well, you know, I, I, I think we all kind of saw some of the struggles that occurred at second base, whether it was Profar never really ever being able to get his feet underneath him and get going, some defensive issues as well. We know what kind of athletes we have in that lineup. Guys like Chad Pinder, there's guys like Franklin Barreto that are kicking around. I mean, there's there's guys laying in the wings down in AAA, Jorge Mateo. There's So I think it's just about adding a little bit of length, and I, I think paying attention to that side of the diamond is, is maybe something to consider. You, you've got great defense all around, and you've got a pitching staff, a starting staff, who has a good idea of how to utilize their defense so with some new arms coming into the rotation I think that's obviously an easy answer is I'd like to see the rotation sort of rebuilt and repurposed and I I think if we're going to get specific we've got good athletes on that club it's about pinpointing them or pinpointing somebody that you can plug in there that you're confident in to be able to give them everyday responsibility you are the man we will be calling and you know we'll be uh promoting fan uh, well, fantasy camp in january it's going to be incredible we'll talk to you soon dallas much love Tony. thanks for having me brother have a good weekend can't wait to be down there in january i hope we're going to be down there it's got to be a lot of fun imagine you're playing basically big league baseball all day and then hanging out night dinner and cocktails with these guys the legends of the game doesn't get any better than that. Also not get any better than that, Dave Schoenfeld. Dave's great breaking down baseball on ESPN.com and all the news and notes. He's one of those guys Commander Cody and I steal from all the time. We're taking his stuff all the time. His research is second to none. Here is David Schoenfeld from ESPN.com. David joins us now. David, thank you so much for taking the time and coming on Ace Cast Live with Chris Townsend. Hey, thanks for the invite. Well, I, I've been thinking about all this stuff about Scott Boris has all the top players and Scott Boris is going <laughs> to he's gonna take this thing all the way towards spring training like we saw last year, and it's all Scott Boris's fault. But then I think about baseball, and I think, well, if we're going to have a slow winner, you know, when you start putting the, the these draft picks on these free agents – you know, that, that, that's been worked out, you know, the CBA between the owners and the Players Association. When you get these qualifying offers, this also hurts free agency. So when you look at it, there's multiple reasons, don't you think, why we're starting to have these slow off seasons? Yeah, yeah, many, many reasons. Look, if you're going to spend $200 million, you also want to take your time and make sure you're spending it the right way on the right players do your homework that's part of it yeah the qualifying offer 
I guarantee you the players are going to fight tooth and nail to, to get rid of that for the next CBA. Look, if you're a free agent, you've earned the right to be a free agent, you know. So I think that's one thing that has to change. But, yeah, this is the trend. I don't think it's going to be any quicker uh, this winter than last year. I loved your article from yesterday 2019-2020 MLB free agent class superlatives and the player most likely to. And you went down the line. And first off, obviously, the guy that's going to get the biggest deal, Garrett Cole, going to surpass David Price. When you really start thinking what he's going to get, will it be in Houston? Will it be in Anaheim? Will it be in New York? I don't, we don't know where he's going to go. But what range are you hearing do you think he may be able to get? Yeah, it seems like you're probably going to start at 240 or 250 million and maybe it ends up a little higher. I think I know with the money Harper Machado got last year, you might hear 200 million. I think pitchers there's still that risk, right, with a starting pitcher. No matter what kind of year Garrett Cole had, he's had no major arm issues in his career, but I don't know if teams are going to go quite that high for a pitcher. So I'll I would guess, you know, in that 250 to 280 million range, you know, seven or eight seasons probably. So not bad. I think he can live on that. I think he's going to survive. He'll be okay. Yeah, I think he'll be okay. <laughs> now the only difference is, is now you don't have Justin Verlander in front of you. And one thing that we always talked about here with the A's is, you know, a lot of times Garrett Cole's only going to go six, and then it's about getting to the bullpen. He signs a deal like this. His expectations and innings pitched, they're going to want a heck of a lot more. Well, I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, th this is the modern-day pitcher, right? Six innings, seven on a good day, eight if he's you know, has a no-hit bid going. Uh, you know, how many pitchers even reached 200 innings this year? I think it was only seven or eight across the majors. Um, you know, Steven Strasburg led the National League with only 209 innings. Um, so, yeah, I know he's going to get paid, but you also want to protect that investment. So, yeah, don't go out there. Whatever team ends up with Garrett Cole, you fans don't expect, uh, you know, eight innings a game. He's still going to be a six, seven-inning guy. Okay, if I don't want to pay for Cole – and I want to pay less, where am I going next? Is it Strasburg? Well, he's still going to cost a lot. My, I don't know if I'd call this guy a sleeper because I think everybody is kind of high on him as Zach Wheeler of the Mets. Now, he's had some you know injuries in the past, but he's been healthy the past two years. There's kind of a feeling that this guy, he might have a small chance to be Garrett Cole 2.0. One of the best fastballs in the league, throws strikes, good off-speed stuff. He's been good but not dominant with the Mets. And you put him with an organization like Houston, dig into some of those analytics, have him maybe throw that four-seamer a little more, the sinker a little less, same thing the Astros did with Garrett Cole, that maybe Zach Wheeler has a chance to like, – I don't want to say he's going to be the next Garrett Cole because those numbers he's had the last <laughs> two years are, are phenomenal, but – I think there's that feeling that a, a different team might get more out of him than the Mets did. Yeah, that's the whole thing now in baseball where you see like the Astros bring in Verlander or Cole and make them better. And then that's where in our own backyard, I wonder if somebody can do that with Madison Bumgarner. Well, you know, Bumgarner to me, he's his. I know he might end up with the Braves or maybe back with the Giants, you know, so I don't know if there's going to be uh, a huge war on him. I don't know how many teams he's willing to go to, but his next phase of his career, let's put it this way, is going to be fascinating because, you know, he's been, he's had those non-arm injuries, but he was healthy last year, had a nice rebound season. I know the ERA was the highest of his career, but some of those peripheral numbers were, were much better. On the other hand, I've been looking at his home road splits the last two years, and they are not good. They're great at San Francisco, ERA over five on the road, I believe, both of the past two seasons. So is that going to affect his value and how teams view him? How much of that is the Giants' defense? I don't think it's been terrible. You probably can evaluate that better than I can. But, yeah, I'm not exactly sure how much I would want to – give a Madison Bumgarner at this point in his career. Do you think he may just then take the qualifying offer, the 
No, he'll he'll get no. There'll be a, I I don't want to undersell you know the interest in him because he'll get more than that, especially you know the postseason history that teams are. Even though it's been a long time since we've seen him in October, um, he'll he'll do well in free agency, and he he is a nice fit for the Braves who could really use a a veteran leader on that staff, especially with Dallas Keuchel also in free agency. I just don't know. I wouldn't. Ex- let's put it. I would not expect him to be a number one as he kind of enters his thirties now. So you had the guy who helped himself the most in October, obviously Steven Strasburg. But the next guy, I love this because you know we got to see him in Anaheim for years, playing then for the Dodgers. At thirty-seven years old, we still. You know, versatility is the name of the game with smaller benches and bigger bullpens and Howie Kendrick can play a couple different positions. And even on here, you had how the A's really struggled this year with uh, OPS and batting average from the DH position. Uh, Howie Kendrick is still very interesting because he's still very productive. Yeah, boy, he'd be a nice fit for Oakland. I don't know how tied the A's or are they still locked in on Chris Davis as their only DH after you know a terrible 2019 um, I heard on MLB radio today that the Rays are interested in Howie Kendrick he'd be a great fit there as a primary DH fill in a little at first and second base uh, certainly the Nationals would love to have him back but he, he feels like an AL player you know at this point in his career you know, DH mostly playing the field a little bit. You don't really, you really don't want him in the field. But this guy hit 3.44 last year. He's in great shape, even though he's older. Um, he still has some good years left in him, I think. So the A's were in Detroit earlier this year and swept the four-game set. But even though they swept the four-game set, they couldn't get Castellanos out. I mean, it was he's a he was a double machine. It was like every single time he came to the play, it was like, oh, but you actually had him as the potentially the biggest bust, <laughs> and I'm like, this guy had a monster year. Well, he did. If, uh, 58 doubles, I was really hoping he'd uh, hit 60 doubles. Nobody had done that since the 1930s. Uh, certainly had his best year at the plate. He's a bad outfielder. Um, he doesn't walk. You know, so he, it, it's all bad. And if he declines just a little, it's a very good hitter to an average hitter. That's that's my concern is it's a fine line between the year he had and him being just kind of a mediocre player. So it's not that he's going to be a bad player. It's mostly what are you going to pay to get him, you know. So that's really not a fair statement until I see somebody giving him a, you know, four-year, $80 million deal. I wouldn't want to do that. But at less money at three years, I think he's, he's a fine investment. Another guy probably better for an AL team, you know, DH is his best position. You know, I think about the AL, and I actually think about Alex Anthopoulos and what he had to say, and now Tony Clark's all up in arms. But, <laughs> but, but I'm thinking about the Northeast right now where all of a sudden it looks like the Red Sox are going in a different direction. They don't want to be big spenders. The Yankees have missed out on so many people. Brian Cashman uh, with uh, Sweeney Murdy was a little defensive about some questions about all the guys that they've missed on. What happened to the beast from the East and outspending everybody? <laughs> well, um, yeah, this is why the A's might be my World Series pick next year. What? I love it. Well, it's early. It's early. I'm tired of picking the Astros every year. But, no, you're right. Uh, let's see what the Red Sox do. Obviously, the Mookie Betts rumors are going to be there all all winter. The Yankees, what what did I write the other day? They haven't spent big on a free agent since Masahiro Tanaka. I mean, big, like $100 million, kind of one of those guys, right? That was five years ago. So, yeah, maybe Garrett Cole, they, they changed their mind and get in on that. But it doesn't seem like they, they're going to be going down that road either. So, yeah, that's one reason why the Astros have dominated the AL, you know, in the regular season the past few the past few years is a reluctance of, of some of the the big boys to spend big year after year after year. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up our green and gold because I don't want to be a homer here, but the reality is <laughs> the core of the A's is set. 
Their starting yep. pitching is going to be very strong. They have a ton of depth that's going to be in AAA if there's injuries. You know, it seemed like this past year, you know, the A's had won 97 games the year before. People were a little reluctant to pick them again. Now that they've yep. won 97 two straight years and they've got their core coming back, I like how you said that's not a shocker pick. Well, no, the, the way Shamanaya looked, those last five starts or whatever he made, he was phenomenal up until the wild card game. You factor in, you know, certainly potential contributions from, from Puck and Lazardo, and those guys certainly have potential even as rookies, I think, to, to be very good rotation members. Um, so it really, and you go through the lineup, other than Simeon, it's not like anybody had like a career year where you're going to say this guy's going to regress. So um, I'll be curious to see how they supplement the roster. I'd like to see another outfielder maybe. Um, if they get a bounce back year from Chris Davis, obviously that'd be huge. But, yeah, maybe it's time. It's time for somebody else to win the AL West. Absolutely love it. What's the, <laughs> what's the, number, what's the number one storyline that interests you going into this offseason? Uh, yeah, aside from free agency, I think it's it's Mookie and, and Francisco Lindor. You know, will those two guys get traded? Um, I I think Mookie, the Red Sox, will probably end up keeping him. I mean, you have a look, you have a good team there. Why would you trade him? Just try to win one more year with him. If he leaves, he leaves. Um, Lindor, so maybe Lindor is more fascinating because he has two years left. Until free agency, Cleveland, they still have a good team. No reason they can't bounce back and win the division, but that's a tough market. They know they're not going to be able to afford them in two years. So does Lindor get traded? That will be a huge storyline all winter. And to the Dodgers. Well, right. You know, it's interesting because if you look at all sort of the, the top contenders in 2009, they're all pretty – they all have pretty good shortstops. But if you – if you're the Dodgers, do you upgrade? Do you include Corey Seager in a trade that gets you Lindor? I think that's the kind of trade that might happen that we don't usually see those kinds of deals. But it'll be interesting to see if the Dodgers go down that road. David, we reference your work all the time here on the program. We love listening oh, to you with Buster great. and Buster Only's podcast, Baseball Tonight. We hear you every single week. So we really appreciate the time. We love your work. We'd love to have you on again soon. All right, anytime. I think a lot. From a terrific writer to another terrific writer. And, of course, he's locally based with the athletic Eno Saris. We love having him on throughout the season. Eno is so, so versed in analytics and breaking down the game. And also big is what Eno does when we talk beer. Because we always like to talk. We're all huge fans of beer. But this time of the year, we start to transition into fall and winter what are his favorite beers heading into the holiday season? Here's our buddy, Eno Saris. Eno, Chris Townsend, how are you? Doing good. Can't believe the season's over. It's like I'm sitting around at night going, what do I do? <laughs> you you dream on free agents the team will sign and the trades they'll make. Well, see, that's the problem. Knowing uh, the A's, they're pretty much set. There's not a whole lot that uh, they may look at some relievers. And, and, you know, we talked to David Forst about this earlier. Okay, every public, everything that's coming, every publication, every story that's coming out, you know, it's all about off-season needs. And, like, it's just so easy to say for the A's bullpen. I mean, just about everybody, other than maybe a couple teams, everybody needs relievers. So, like I said to David Force today, I said, I'm taking that out. You can't pick relievers. That's too easy. If you if you had a, a number one need for the A's in the offseason and you can't pick relievers, what would it be? Starters. <laughs> no, I, I know that they've got some starters coming back, that, that, that A.J. Puck will hopefully be able to, to pitch for a full season. Jesus Lazardo, you know, they've got some ammunition there, but they're definitely going to need to sign someone like Tanner Roark. They're going to need to sign like a veteran inning beater type that to fill out the rotation. So I would expect them to sign a, a starter for like one and eight, one and 10, and maybe uh, go for a bullpen guy. One of the guys I just put on my list for tomorrow that I really like is Drew Pomerantz. And he struck out nearly half the guys he saw in the second half. I, I could see him going for maybe two years and $15 million, two years and $12 million, something like that. 
Really? Bringing Pomeranz back? Yeah, I mean, as a reliever, he's throwing 94, 95. He's got an 84-mile-an-hour curveball now. The curveball looks just great out of the out of the pen. I think he just was miscast as a starter. What would you do at second base? You know, that's a that's a tough one. Um, I think I just mix and match. They've got some some guys. There's Jorge Mateo, Franklin Barreto. You know, they've got they've got some talent. Chad Pinder. I think they'll just mix and match. You know, position players cost a lot more. Yeah, and then uh, there's going to be some guys that are going to cost a lot this winter. It's going to be a lot of fun to see where some of these guys are going to end up. Let's talk about Marcus Simeon finishing at least in the top three for the American League MVP. What an accomplishment that is for him compared to where he was a few years ago where he was leading the league in airs. Have you ever seen a turnaround like this before where you go from rags to riches the way Marcus Simeon has? No, I don't. And I think on some level, maybe the numbers were wrong at the beginning and at the end. I think he's a solid guy. I'm surprised a little bit by the defensive numbers this year. You know, they're so standout. I think that that's a little bit has to do with positioning, knowing where to play, you know, sort of learning, learning the position as he has. So I think that some of that has to do with, you know, just the quirk of the numbers. He was never as bad as he was in the beginning. And he may not be elite as it suggests now, but I really love, and you know, it's not just defense. Cause we, we all think about Ron Washington and the glove and all the work that he did. And, you know, that's really impressive, but it's not just defense. He, he, you know, he improved in every facet of the game. It's like this year he had like the best walk rate and the best strikeout rate and some of the best power he's had. So he really just put everything together. And I think it's a testament to kind of, Hard work in all arenas, but also what a veteran can do to make the most of his game. Yeah, it's really like one of those years where it's a career year. I mean, you have another year like that next year, my God. I mean, just the way everything he did, extra base hits, powers, the runs scored. I mean, he really did everything this year. Yeah, and a lot of it was reaction. You know, something I haven't written about yet that I've been trying to find a moment to write about you know, he talked to me about, I said, why, why is your strikeout rate going down so much? And, and, and why, why are you going to the opposite field so much more? And he said, you know, over time, they started shifting me. And they started shifting me. And as a right-hander, I didn't see that at the beginning of my career. But as they started shifting me, I kind of let the ball travel a little bit and use the whole field in a reaction to that. And I think that's really what allowed him to – you know, put together different passes in the game because now he can pull a ball for power. You know, he can pull a home run, but he can also, you know, put the ball in play a lot more. So it's funny how that lead kind of, uh, you know, dictated that adjustment from him. Yeah, Marcus, absolutely fabulous, and I don't think he'll win it, but just to be in the top three definitely means something. You know, now that the season's over and we can look at the numbers – What's your main takeaway about the baseball, and what do you want to see with the baseball in 2020? I, I just want I want like uniformity. You know, one of the things that's so hard about analyzing the game and trying to figure out, you know, who's going to be good and what are good signings and stuff like that. The way you know that I do it at the Athletic. You know, one of the things that makes it hard is if the playing field is changing every year. You know, if the actual equipment is changing every year. So I think, you know, there's going to be a little bit more coming out at the Athletic this week about what happened with the ball in the postseason. And I think you'll see that it's just, you know, they haven't necessarily been transparent. The league hasn't been transparent with us, the fans, or the players. The players are, are often annoyed at, you know, questions about the ball and also their own questions about the ball. Why are we thinking about this? It should be the same ball every year. And so the transparency and the uniformity are not there. And I I just want, I want it to be as uniform as possible year to year. Are you guys going to be coming out with that? The ball was different in the postseason than the regular season. (laughs) It's a, it's a very particular uh, thing that that it it, it means that uh, the way that we're, the way that the findings we have basically suggest that Manfred never lied, but there's some a truth within the words that he said that people won't expect. 
I when is that breaking? By the way, I'm very I'm very interested. <laughs> I thought it was going to be today, but I think maybe tomorrow. Uh, I cannot wait for that because that's the thing that baseball now 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 with everything that we have with Statcast and all the different technology we have, we can measure things we wouldn't measure before. So if you start slipping in a different baseball, you're going to be able to research. will be able to find it. Yeah, yeah. Rob Arthur at Baseball Perspectives does a lot of great work, and he just showed that there was a one in ten thousand chance that uh, you know that the ball was exactly the same as it was in the regular season. And we kind of just did some research. Dr. Meredith Wills, uh, I think she's been on your show before. Uh, she's she's gone into the lab and kind of torn them apart. So we'll have some findings on that shortly. Cannot wait in free agency. Which contract, which player are you most interested in? I think it's Rendon. You know, Rendon was maybe one of the best college hitters of all time. <laughs> I mean, if you look at some of his college, he had one of the best college seasons of all time, at least. I mean, he had like close to 500 and just hit the ball out of the park. And so he's just basically been a professional hitter all the way through. And when they add in the fact that he actually has plus defense, I mean, there's a lot of ways that his game can kind of erode and he can still be a great hitter for you, can be a great player for you. And you just saw he just he has a slow heartbeat, man. I mean, he is he does not care what the situation is. He just he's a born hitter, you know, and, and I, I think that uh, he'll make a great signing for somebody. And he could be that guy. Bryce Harper didn't want to be that guy last year with the Dodgers where it's a shorter years but more average per year. When people say he doesn't want to play forever, he has other interests, he might finally be that guy that we've waited for who will sign a three-, four-year deal, but the average will be way more than we've ever seen before. And that could be a big change in the game of baseball, don't you think? I think so. I think it'll actually be better for players to push that number, to push the average annual value. Because right now, Bryce Harper, in terms of labor or whatever, Bryce Harper, he's getting paid less per year than Ryan Howard did. And yeah, it sounds big when you say, you know, $335 million, that's a lot of money. But he's getting paid less per year than Ryan Howard did. So, you know, I think it would be good to kind of push that average annual value. It'll be good for the players. Um, and, you know, comparing him to Harper also is instructive because you know, there are no question marks about what he's like in the clubhouse. You know, everybody loves Rendon. So, uh, you know, that's a, he's be, he'd be a calming influence on any team that he, he was added to. So I, I think uh, there's virtually no question marks for us. Like, for Garrett Cole, I love him, but I think any pitcher that gets seven or eight years, people are talking about, eight years, man, pitcher for eight years, it's just, it just seems like that's crazy, man. There's so many things that can happen in eight years. Hitters just tend to, you know, be good. <laughs> oh, I know. I mean, that's a long and, and and as we all know, as you get deeper into your 30s, physically you start to change as a man. Yeah. And you know, I, I agree with you. Giving away those long contracts, for, I mean, it's just that is such a risky move. And when I think about the off season, and when I think about how you evaluate players, what are the certain metrics? Let's start offensive. When you're going to review guys for 2019 and then you're going to preview guys for 2019, what are some metrics that you look at for our audience that they could look at that you look at for offensive players? Well, you know, I'll make this real simple because I think it's almost the same thing for both sides. And, you know, in terms of raw capability, I want to know exit velocity and pitch velocity. You know, I just want to know velocity. How hard can you hit it? How hard can you pitch it? Those are the things I want to know in terms of raw ability. And then on the other side, in terms of finesse and, and skills, I want to know how good are you are at avoiding strikeouts or for a pitcher getting strikeouts and avoiding walks or, or you know, basically I want to know how good you are at strikeouts and walks. Um, and so I think those two things can tell you a lot about the shape of a person's career. Nelson Cruz, for example, has been so great into his career, late into his career. Why? Because he hits the ball really hard. I mean, just he's got the raw out the out the door, and on top of that, he's got a pretty good sense of what to do at the plate. That Granky has lost the pitch velocity, yeah, but he's aged really well because he has great command, and he limits the walks, and he gets strikeouts with this wide array wide array of pitches. I don't see in Garrett Cole that same command that Granky has, 
He has the pitch velocity, but that's always going to go away. So I don't see the same wide variety of pitches. Look at Hyunjin Ryu, who had a great season but is old and doesn't pitch hard. That's because he has a great variety of pitches and a lot of commands. So if I'm going to give someone a long deal, I will think a little bit more about the commands and how many pitches they've got. And I think what you're talking about is the Houston Astros. They hit the ball hard. They don't strike out a lot. And they exactly. hit home runs. And, you know, we got teams that hit home runs and strike out a ton. They don't strike out a ton. They hit home runs and they hit the ball hard. Yeah, yeah. And that's why they're perennially in the postseason. It didn't work out for them this year. But to me, baseball is not a zero-sum game. It's not 29 losers and one winner. You know, I, I, I reject that. For me, if you had a good season, the A's had a good season. If you keep having good seasons, eventually you'll break through. And this could really be the year for the A's because – you know, I think one of the things that's been holding them back since their first group of really great uh, players is kind of lack of frontline starting pitching. And I see it in this group. I see it in Lazardo and Puck. So if they, if those two truly are ones and twos, you know, at the top of the at the top of the rotation, everything else falls into place. And that could be something that is changing because. Every single year, it was 37%, 38%, 39%, gotten up this year to 42% of all innings were pitched by bullpens, but bullpens were worn out this year. It was just too much. Are we going to start? Are we going to see it start flipping back to like, guys, we got to get more innings from our starters? It's just the bottom line because you see the record. If you're, it's a simple, it's a simple thing. If your starter goes seven innings, the majority of the time, your team wins. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you need to have at least one or two starters in your rotation that can go that far to even do the rest of the strategies you want to do with your bullpen. You cannot bullpen every day. <laughs> you can't bring your bullpen in in the fifth inning every day. You know, so you need to have some horses. And I think that's one thing that the A's have actually done pretty well is like get guys like Fires and Roark and get guys who can get you to the sixth inning at least. Um, and that's been great for them. But uh, – you know, what we did see this year was the ERA from the starters and the relievers was the same, and it shouldn't be. A reliever should have a lower ERA because they come in and they only, if they're a righty, they only face righties. If they're a lefty, they only face lefties for the most part. They come in for, you know, one inning, and they can throw as hard as they want. The starter has to throw five or whatever inning. So, you know, they should, the starter should have a worse ERA than the relievers, and this year it was the same, suggesting that we've gone a little bit too far. Is there anything out there that can explain why year in, year out, you cannot predict how good a bullpen's going to be? Mostly it's the sample size. You know, you got to, you, you, when you're evaluating a starting pitcher, you get 200 innings. You get 200 innings, 200, 180. You know, you get a, you get a, a you know, you might get 500 innings over three years to, to look at them. You might get a reliever that has given you 120 innings over the last three years. And you've got to make the same decisions about them. Uh, and then on top of that, uh, when, a, when a starting pitcher loses velocity, if they have four or five pitches, they can do something about it. When a reliever loses velocity, he has one other pitch a lot of times. And all you can do is throw that other pitch more often, and eventually you get caught out. You know, somehow Sergio Romo <laughs> survived throwing 65% sliders or whatever it was, but that's not the norm. Normally, at some point, the velocity drops too much, and you're just not effective anymore. So you see this, that your, your production as a reliever is clo- more closely tied to your velocity than it is as a starter. And, uh, that's, and, and velocity can go up and down, even uh, not just due to aging. It can go up and down due to health. So, you know, a guy that was healthy last year, this year comes in, has some bone chips, loses a tick or two, and, uh, and just, you know, isn't as good. So it's, it's just harder, it's harder to, to, to evaluate how good a reliever it is and it's harder to know that he's going to be good again next year. So we're past Halloween. We're in fall. Before you know it, it's going to be Thanksgiving. I know you transition seasons and beers. Where are you right now with your fall collection? Oh, man, this is one of the best seasons of the year. It's fresh hop season. Uh, fresh, hop, uh, fresh hop pale ales are my favorite. They just uh, they kind of have, and this is going to sound gross and weird, but they kind of almost have like a vegetable quality that I really like. Uh, you know, I know that doesn't sound great, but uh, uh, it's kind of a cool addition to what we normally get a lot of fruit in pale ale. So uh, right now there's a Lagunitas born yesterday that's on shelves for most people, and I would recommend going to get it. 
See, that's why we bring you on. I mean, we can start sitting there talking about exit velocity, and then we can talk beer. <laughs> beer and baseball go hand in hand. Yeah, yeah. This year they've even been doing some uh, hazy fresh hop, which I've never had before. Uh, I've enjoyed a couple of those. By the way, hazy is in. I, I mean, everywhere you go yeah. now, hazy is big. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, that means now it's like the reliever thing. If everyone's doing a haze, they're not all good. But, uh, uh, you know, it, it's still worth trying, especially for people who think that IPAs are too bitter. I think it's a great crossover beer. Some of them taste that and say, you know, that's not very bitter at all. Eno, you are the best. We'll be calling. All right. Thanks for having me. That was a solid group, no question about it. Thank you for listening to A's Unfiltered. We want to thank Adam Rosales, Dallas Braden, Eno Saris, and David Schoenfield from ESPN.com. Now back to A's Cast, powered by TuneIn. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.